0: Ferrari got back to winning ways in Silverstone, but can this spark a comeback or will Red Bull win again around their own circuit this weekend? Hello and welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast, everybody. This is episode number 211, where we're going to be previewing the 2022 Austrian Grand Prix. I'm your host, George Allison, and joining me today, we have Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights podcast. Hello. Phil Matthew from the Grip Strip podcast. Hello. And Owain Medford. Hello. So, lads, uh, let's, get into, uh, let's get into our predictions ahead of this race. Obviously, we had a hell of a race in Silverstone yesterday. It was a su- supremely entertaining one, some fantastic racing with these brand new cars. And we're heading to Austria, Aaron, where, where we've seen some very entertaining races in the past for sure. Uh, I mean, what are your predictions, obviously, because um, Red Bull, they look quick. Ferrari obviously got back to winning race as well. It's a tough one to call Who's going to come out on top in this one? It
1: should be a really interesting battle because, as much as the Spielberg circuit is like 60 seconds to heaven, it actually offers up quite an interesting blend of corners and obviously the, the long straights. So you've got, you need the power to get up the hill and then across the top um, from turn three, which isn't really turn three, it should be turn two, um, down to turn four. But then the middle sector, um that's going to offer some really good opportunity for a car that's well balanced and that has good downforce so i'm expecting red bull to be mighty on the straights but the straights aren't hugely long it's about carrying momentum so maybe a car like the ferrari might be able to carry that speed a little bit more consistently not to say that the red bull is is rubbish but i just think the ferrari handles slightly better through corners and those longer corners might play to it and also Where are Mercedes going to land in all of this? Are they going to turn up and again have insane race pace? Because obviously we saw yesterday that once the Mercedes gets up and running and gets heat in its tyres, it's a bit of a train. It Mm -hmm. takes some stopping. So it's going to be one of those races that I think you're going to have to sit tight for a little bit and wait and see how things unfold. And it might be the last 15 laps before we really see the picture of what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, you rightfully point out Mercedes as well in that because they obviously had a well, they had a very good weekend for one of their cars anyway. There's no, there's no really telling how George Russell would have done in that race, but Sir Lewis Hamilton had an excellent race at Silverstone, had the cards fallen differently away and he could have won potentially there. But Austria is a funny circuit for Mercedes that even in the past when they've been dominant, they've not been particularly quick there. So how do you see them getting on this weekend? Because it's a track with a lot of undulations and they are, of course, a team that have really struggled with the porpoise in two.
2: Yeah, like you say, they've. Uh, it's kind of a, almost a little bit of a bogey track for them. Um, you know, it's just in a, you know, you know, you've have uh, Lewis Hamilton and sort of in qualifying, you know, having having issues and and Nico Rosberg as well and and uh, and yeah, it's not it's not when it's not when sort of uh, some of their ones where they've been able to rump away. Um, I'm really sort of unsure. I don't know how. I don't know how much undulation. I think you know we could, we've been struggling all this year to get an idea of how the car is. Um, we, you know, how much undulation is too much undulation for it? How much is uh, how much uh, is setting off? How many how many bumps sort of like you know what's what's the frequency that is going to be setting off the car and maybe getting porpoising and making it difficult to drive? Um, I don't think we know. Um, it's it's it's. I don't think it's you know. I don't think it's sort of one of those things where they're going to have to watch about bottoming out or anything like that and causing issues there. But um, I am I, I would say, I think the characteristics of the car sort of suit Austria quite well. Uh, if they can sort of take the downforce off and get those long straights, but still carry it through the corners. Um, you know, mechanically, it looks, re- you know, we saw it going into Brooklyn's um, over the weekend and it looked great. Uh, it, you know, it, it absolutely, it looks so dynamic you know dynamically it looked really good it looked like lewis could do exactly what he want with it, with, wanted with it you know on the same tires he was really placing the car exactly where he wanted um which i think it's going to help in the second and third set uh yeah second and third sectors uh, specifically um i think it's just what you know obviously we're going from quite a, a flat track to uh one that's really got some elevation change on it um and i think that could maybe upset them so i, th- I think it's you know that there's promising signs there um but i, I don't think it's going to be one of the one of one of the ones where they could sort of walk away with it. It's a tough
0: one for sure, isn't it? In the day, um, Mercedes uh, not having the car a car that's particularly great in a straight line this year either, which should also play a play a part because there's three relatively long straights around the circuit, all DRS straights as well. If it's like last year too, um, but Hamilton spoke in the press conference uh, about after the race about how they're nearly there. They're not quite there in terms of getting a win, but they're nearly there, and it's definitely showing in how they've been performing um but let, let's just bring it back to the front again and let's talk about carlos signs uh, phil because he finally got his first win after about 150 starts um could this be the start of potentially getting up there with more of the top three because he's only t- only 11 points off of his teammate and leclerc as well he i think he drove excellently at silverstone with a damaged car he'll be very very eager to get back to winning ways this weekend
3: Yeah, George, he's going to be motivated after, I mean, the finger wagging from Bonato and all that nonsense from yesterday, Um, whether whatever you want to think of how he was acting in the car. The fact is he had a car that could have won this race yesterday in the British Grand Prix by the time he got out front for three quarters of the race, he was a faster car. Yeah. in the grand scheme of things for Carlos signs getting over that hump, that huge hump that had been the big monkey on his back and to finally go and get that first career pole, first career win at one of the legendary circuits and legendary races means he's free to go. And But I think it's as much to talk about the drivers as it is their equipment. Can Ferrari's equipment hold up? at a, at a circuit, you know, with the elev high elevation, like the, um, what do you call, um, sea level or high above sea level that could make a, an issue. I know that that's a thing in Austria, of course, the elevation changes, the lots of on-throttle time power unit issues have been a big part of what has affected Ferrari this year and why they're so far behind Red Bull and it is Red Bull's circuit. Max Verstappen has taken to it very well through his entire career. Ferrari's job is to maximize their one lap pace and possibly give themselves position and then make a better start than they did yesterday because obviously their starts were not great. Um, They got away with it on the second start, but really they need to have better starts and um i mean carlos signs is just on cloud nine it doesn't matter i think that momentum is going to drive him through this next month to drive better than he probably ever has and maybe he'll be a little more aggressive maybe he'll try to do some things The the what he's being asked to do is race against sergio perez which is asking a lot considering how many years sergio has been in this sport his presence basically being the domestique to max verstappen he's going to sit there and do whatever he has to do to protect the lead guy. So having to go and, and compete um, we'll see what happens with Ferrari. I, I I think they'll do well in practice. They seem to do that every race they'll do well in qualifying, but the real question will come on Sunday and whether they're able to actually hold up to the Red Bull duo um, at one of the Red Bull home races. So, Um, Verstappen's just, um, rapid there. So it's going to ask a lot of Ferrari to actually be able to stand up there, but they had a good weekend, generally good weekend, especially on Carlos Sainz side. Not so sure on the Charles Leclerc side there by the end of the day, but, um, they need to keep this positive momentum for him and try to let him go in a sense to keep points a little bit more, um, competitive for second in the world championship, at least.
0: Yeah, Ferrari definitely needs to give Uh Sainz more of a chance. I mean, some of the uh, some of the calls they were making, particularly the one uh, the safety car restart, telling Signs to get ten car lengths back from Charles Leclerc. I thought that was um I that was the wrong call, to be honest with you. I'm glad that Signs went against it because it was very vindicated in what happened too. So yeah, for, um, potentially obviously reliability coming it as well. Austria is definitely a car breaker. I think Mercedes had a double retirement in 2018 when their car was absolutely bulletproof at that time, at least so it seemed. Uh, so you can definitely get some surprises in that regard. Um. But yeah, let's bring it back to Red Bull. Let's let's talk about uh, Red Bull. That going into their home, going to their home race, their home track, the Red Bull Ring, of course, uh, hosting the Austrian Grand Prix. Um, I, I I think personally, in race pace, I think the Red Bull was the fastest car, Aaron. But circumstances went against him. Obviously, Verstappen had his, his his rear issue with his. Um, with his suspension and Sergio Perez had his damage with his front wing and sent all the way to the back but he still finished in second place and Verstappen despite all that damage despite the car apparently being undrivable, he still got points so in a way are they going into this one as the favourites?
1: Yeah they're still going in as the favourites because they've shown over the, the first 10 races that they majority of the time have the strongest race car the opening two or three rounds it was fairly even in Australia Ferrari had The package to deliver and Charles Leclerc did but since then it's been errors and a lack of straight line performance that has hurt Ferrari and then the reliability factor has kicked in and sort of doubled down on it and Red Bull have just been on a roll and but for that damage to Verstappen's car yesterday he would have run away with that race I think Um, but ultimately I think it's actually good for the championship that it it just closes everything up a little bit um, not quite enough to keep it, you know, edge of our seat like it was last year. But there's always that that threat. I mean, the Red Bull hasn't been bulletproof. Mercedes are the only team to have finished, uh, or have had no mechanical uh, failures out of the top three teams this season. Of course, George Russell didn't finish yesterday, but that was accident damage. So. If we take the the theory that the Austrian track is a bit of a car breaker because of the amount of time spent on throttle, Ferrari and Red Bull could be potentially having to scale back the amount that they are running the power units at. So that might affect straight line speed, which has been key to the Red Bull's performance uh, this year. That all being said, I wouldn't be surprised to see them lock out the front row. But then again, I wouldn't be surprised to see them starting second and fourth, third and fourth, um, like they have been recently with Ferrari in, in the front and then Red Bull coming strong in the race because they've had great race pace. And that that would be a real fascinating duel to see around such a short circuit where it's 100 miles an hour, literally 100 miles an hour in terms of corners, um, all the time coming at you. How Ferrari and Red Bull manage that. And then if Mercedes are in the mix, how that then affects their strategy and what they do with Perez, what they do with Verstappen, because they've got both their drivers at the top of the championship. So you can't really say they should be favouring one over the other.
0: Yeah, I know. I totally agree. I mean, I feel, I feel like I said it before. I feel like it was unfair that they were favouring uh Charles over, over signs. I mean, you, you could argue potentially that Leclerc was performing better, but he had a damaged car. So it was always going to be slower at some point. Um, so I feel like, I feel like uh, they signed tre- signs quite badly with that one, but how they continue is anybody's guess because we know what Ferrari's opinion is when it comes to team orders and number two drivers. is very clear number one and number two. That's not so clear. Going off for of last year, obviously, Sainz beat Leclerc in the championship and there's only 11 points now. That's what, fifth place, fourth place in a race? That's all there is between them so far. So there's, not, there's not much in it at all. So Sainz des- deserves a fair crack of the whip. Wherever you'll get that, We'll just have to wait and see. These are the kind of races and the kind of situations where we'll uh, see how uh, Ferrari react to that. Uh, But let's move a little further down the grid. Let's go to the battle for fourth place and uh, just six points between uh, McLaren and Alpine. McLaren just about uh, leading Alpine um, after the British Grand Prix. Uh, It's a a tight old battle though. It's a titanic scrap between the two of them. Um, But the thing is with, with McLaren anyway, and I say this, it absolutely pains me to say this as a McLaren fan, as a Daniel Ricciardo fan as well, but it seems like McLaren are fighting this battle with one hand tied behind the back. If Alpine had two finishes, which they could have easily done in the last race, they'd have been right up there. But at the moment, all McLaren's efforts are being personified by Lando Norris, Owen, and this could well be a race that changes that if Alpine gets two cars to the finish, because Danny Ricardo again, 14th place, I think he was, 13th place, something like that. It's it's just not good enough.
2: Yeah, they've uh, they've I feel sorry for them in, in some ways um but they've they uh, unfortunately they've ended up um kind of with a with an album problem um you know a few years ago at Red Bull like uh you've got you've got Lando who is really just kind of showing everyone who's boss and and making sort of a great uh, a great showing um you know th- let's put it this way uh Lando Norris has all but 15 it's po- con- contributed all but 15 points of uh i'm oh, sorry 25 points sorry um i think uh to uh mclaren's it's, it's, total this it's year. 15. It's oh, 15. is 15 oh it's 15 i got my math right initially i shouldn't have doubted myself yeah. um but yeah 15 points uh all but 15 points to mclaren's total this year i think that's a that speaks volumes for you know we're almost well we're getting we're halfway in through the season now or we'll be heading towards it very very soon and that's just not good enough it's just absolutely not good enough like what what are mclaren to do if like mclaren really are in the uh, are in danger of falling into the clutches of alpine here um when they should have broken 100 points by now um yeah they've had some issues and i've and been worried about them but to be honest in the last few races they've looked racier and racier like they're really getting on top of their car they're really starting to move it forward um and they're stuck in that fourth place because unfortunately you know you've got daniel ricardo finishing in, in really awful positions, and I, I guess yeah, you could say the the, the um sorry that the car before wasn't to his liking. But we've got a brand new car that really should be they they should have been able to design around both him and Lando, um, and he's really just not performing with it. And I don't, I, there's nothing I don't uh, that I see that is going to be changing that at Austria. Um, I think to you know to to, re- to really sort of take the fight. Uh, basically take the fight away from Alpine and Renault because they, they're, they're so close that, you know, a, a, t- a non-finish for, for Lando Norris or, or, you know, a particularly good week- weekend for Alpine is going gonna, is gonna, to um, really hurt them. Um, you know, Daniel Riccardo really needs to buck his ideas up at this point because um, it, it's just simply not good enough.
0: It, you're right. It's not good enough. I mean, sometimes, you know, he's been unlucky at times absolutely but at the end of the day you look at his performances compared to Lando Norris and it's just it's just not fair it's all it's not quite as bad but it's almost as one-sided as the Gasly v Sonoda battle from last year and you know the stats just a very bad reading you know um, as you know Lance Stroll quite rightly has come under a lot of criticism this year for not performing enough he scored on three occasions this year for Aston Martin one of the worst cars on the grid Ricardo scored in two races. I don't need to say any more, (laughs) really. It's just simply not good enough from Ricardo, and that's coming from a fan. That's coming from a place of love. It's just not working out. It's just absolutely not working out, and it shows such a little sign of of uh, of changing. Really, it really is not good enough. And yeah, we rightly point out that, um, that Alpine are in great form and especially Fernando Alonso, Philly. He had a bit of a slow start to the season. He had been unlucky, but what a race at Silverstone to finish in fifth. I mean, he was even challenging Hamilton for fourth in the closing stages. So how do you see him and Ocon getting on this weekend?
3: I mean, it depends. It's I kind of look at their situation. I think for Alonso, uh, he's been running very consistent. It, the whole Oscar Piastri thing hanging over their heads, and notwithstanding, he's saying, yeah, I can still do this. Um, I think what he believed he was going to have relative to what has actually occurred. I think he was hoping to be up against the top three teams more um, competing, but it hasn't really worked out that way, unfortunately. But being best of the rest, running against McLaren, they had good pace yesterday, uh, The that the Ocon minus i mean of course the Ocon retirement led to Alonso being able to make more of his situation uh for sure um yesterday at Silverstone but it, he's been running solid here the last few weeks and we made all the jokes about him being a you know a taxi cab at Monaco but The fact of the matter is he's been the faster driver. He's been the better driver. He's been qualifying well. He qualified second in mixed conditions in Montreal. Um, There's just a different energy there. It's not the same Fernando Alonso of yesteryear where you know two-time world champion and all those Grand Prix wins. But the fact of the matter is um, maybe he can take a little bit of solace from his compatriot going and getting his first career pole and win. Maybe it'll give him a little bit more juice um with their car and their team i know that of course you have the french grand prix coming along too so uh, a home race for the team they want to finish out this first half of the year on a positive positive level and considering that theoretically they're going two against one because of the issues for ricardo um it's time to maximize those points at any circuit to put themselves in a position i think Ocon hasn't done as well um qualifying and then in turn his race pace um, at times has not been great. But then I brought it up yesterday in the post race show. I'm like, well that was similar to last year. And then Hungary happened. So we know that he's capable of doing something and being upfront and being able to hold up against great drivers. So maybe, you know, that swift kick in the butt, uh, just a brutal um, you know, falling out of the race, losing points maybe that that may be it. It may give them an opportunity to go and follow uh, Fernando up there and try to maximize double points finish, which I would figure is a possibility for them this weekend relative to their car and who they're going against. Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, I'm just looking at the results from this season there uh, when, when, Alpine score points, which is pretty much every race, uh, they do score points for both drivers quite often as well. So it's not uncommon for Alonso and Ocon to be quite close to each other on the track. And um, they both, egging each other on they're both doing really well this season and and yeah and on, on current form they're heading for fourth place especially with mclaren making some pretty crucial errors like they did with a pit stop with norris so that cost him a place uh to alonso in the last race which you know that's a that's a four-point swing effectively there so uh yeah i mean we I mean, just mentioned the guys who are fifth in the championship. championships i'm going to mention that if you give us a five star review on itunes we'll give you a shout out at the start of the show and you'll be entered into a draw to win some free merchandise as well So guys Get get doing it. Get some reviews in for us because it really does help us. And uh, yeah, obviously give us a, a review on Spotify as well. I think we've I think we've got over a hundred potentially or something ridiculous like that on, on Spotify, which is just massive, really. Uh, so th- thank you so much for that. Uh, that that really does help us out in the rankings. And um, uh, yeah, so let's let's go to uh, Alpha and Mayo next. Now they're not out of this battle for fourth either especially with the, the pace and the, the results of uh, Valtteri Bottas this season. But double retirement in Silverstone, they lost quite a bit of ground because of that. But again, Aaron, the, the pace is there. And credit to Grand Usur, obviously, thank God he's all right after that horrific crash that he suffered. I mean, I, I was at I was at the Silverstone Grand Prix and the, the press centre just went silent for ages because we didn't know what was happening. We didn't know if he was all right, but thank God he's all right. The, the halo saves another life there for sure, without a doubt um so hopefully he'll be all right to run this weekend and and yeah i mean alpha has shown some great pace especially in qualifying and how do you see them getting on this weekend
1: i think they'll be just behind the mclaren and alpine battle the the alpha seems to have settled in that uh sixth best position um time from time to time they're troubled by the alpha tauris but for some reason the alpha tauris just don't seem to be able to get it together on a consistently enough basis and Alfa Romeo have been strong at almost every race this weekend. And the fact that now they've got Zhou uh, Guanyu actually outperforming Bottas at certain points is really, really important. So he can, t- I know he had that massive accident yesterday, and thank the Lord that he is absolutely okay. But his qualifying performance on Saturday in the wet and his performance the week before in Canada, he can take great heart from that. And Austria bears some similarities to Canada in terms of the speeds and some of the corners. And if you go well at Canada, you can go well at Austria. It's not obviously a given, but he can take some confidence in that. And I think Bottas is leading that team so well. I know he didn't have a great time yesterday with the gearbox uh, failure, but he's just got a new lease of life, hasn't he? It's Bottas, you know, with the mega porridge and everything, so he's going great guns there and he just looks so much happier and free. And this is all this is it's like the boss test that we saw at Williams at times and thinking, oh God, this guy could be a world champion. Get him in a world championship winning car. But there's no point because we've already seen what he can do there. So he's in a good place, he's leading the team well. Joe is coming on strong. Alpha are in a very, very good position. And uh, I'm going to have to leave you guys now because I've been given the heads up to go and make dinner. <laughs> so, thanks for having me. Uh, I'll listen to the rest of the podcast tomorrow when it comes out and uh, enjoy the rest of the show, everybody.
0: Thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. You have to uh, tend to priority number one there, so we will we will leave you to do that. Thank you for joining us. Um, no problem. See you guys soon. See you later. So. See So, yeah, I mean, Aaron made some great points there. Yeah, Alpha Mayo massively improved. Falci Bottas massively improved. So, it could be be a good weekend for them for sure. And uh, yeah, like I said, Granulio is apparently all right. We saw him walking around at the end of the race. um, So, hopefully, he'll be able to compete safely this weekend as well. Uh, And let's move on to the other Alpha, Alpha Tauri. Um, And now they've been slipping away. I mean, they. I, mean, I think they got seven last year, potentially in the constructors as well, but they're not anywhere near the top six. They are looking more likely to slip down to eight or nine at this rate, especially when their two drivers collide with each other. Which, um, you know, I've I've said that Sonoda has been much improved this year, and he has, but he's had a really poor couple of races.
2: Yeah, that moves to active e- inexperience. Really, um, I'd put it. I'd put the blame on it mostly. You know, Gazi wouldn't have spun had it not been for. Uh, the Sonoda going in and and uh, and having to sort of bail out with the last second, uh, and it you know in the words of Martin Brunden, it was a day late and a dollar short. Um, you know that ruined. You know I don't know whether that that affected Gasly's race um, when it comes to reliability, but it re- you know certainly hurt um, Yuki Sonoda's, um, and it had already started off not great. I mean I, you can't put the full blame on on uh, on Sonoda, I think. Um, for what happened to him at the start, neither with Gasly as well. That was a sort of disappearing wedge. Um, and uh, yeah, no, unfortunately it's just, it's a, it's been a bad weekend and they need to sort of have a reset. But um, unfortunately, uh, you know, again, it's a, it's a Taylor two, it's a Taylor two drivers. Cause I know. It's not even that in the, even in the, in the driver's standings, cause they're both on roughly the same points and, you know, five points either way. That's a, that's a, you know, a seventh or an eighth. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, they 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 really do look like. Bearing in mind how the Haas was performing um, this weekend, actually, it's it's really looking like they could slip backwards. Um, hopefully, they have a better way, a better run of it. Again, it's again, it's kind of one of their home tracks. Obviously, being uh, funded by uh, the Red Bull um but again, again there's the issue of you've got a red bull powertrain that's a little bit suspect we've seen um you know it could be an issue and uh, this one's a car breaker it's one of the, uh, the this weekend is a car breaker and, and as we've seen with um with max verstappen uh this weekend you know you damage the underfloor of these cars and it really it, it really hurts you on that lap time it, it takes a car that you know was you know, second place and and really dominating in the hands of Sergio Perez, for example, and, and puts and puts it slow enough that uh, um you know Max Verstappen thought he had a puncture and uh, or, or suspension damage. Um, I think that it's just one of those things where I think Gasly will avoid that sort of thing, but I don't really know with Tsunoda. Um I think he could potentially push it too far, and you know the car breaker effect comes in, um, and and it's another bad weekend, and I just think it's these knocks to his confidence that. Aren't helping. Um, unfortunately, you know we, we thought he was improving, but like I say, with the with the incident where he, where he did hit Gasly, that's you know that's rule number one of what you don't do. You don't run a move like that into a corner like that, um, unless you think you've absolutely got it done. Um, you know, I I, I think that Sonoda uh, needs a good weekend. Alpha needs a good weekend, um, but I don't think they can. I don't think they can be guaranteed. I don't think they're nailed on for that right now.
0: Oh no, they're definitely not. They're um, they're looking pretty shaky for sure. I mean, they're only seven points ahead of Pass, uh, so they're, they're they're really not looking good this season, AlphaTauri. I um, mean, it's always a difficult difficult one with Tauri because they are the bona fide second team. I mean, if you'll talk about Haas being a second team Ferrari and Alpha Romeo being a, a feeder team. These are a proper feeder team. You know, their goal is not necessarily to get amazing results; it's to give young drivers, uh, you know, a platform to to do well, basically. You know, and yeah, they're they're not looking good. Sonoda with a very poor move um, to do what he did, um, and obviously finished last in that race. Gazza retired, you know, a non-score for them when they re- when they really needed some points, um, especially with like the result of, especially results of the the Hass as well. Phil, um, they're looking after a long time. They're looking back on form. I mean, Mick Schumacher finally getting some points, challenging Max Verstappen to the line. It was fantastic to see from the young man, and obviously k mag getting a point as well in 10th, their first double points of the season. They've got some real momentum behind them, and this, Austria is a track where that has treated them very well. I think they got a fourth and fifth there in 2018, I want to say. Their best result in F1, so are more points on the cards this weekend?
3: I would think they'd hope so, George. I mean, uh, the great momentum from yesterday, maximizing the situation of a lot of DNFs, but also having a car that had some pace. I mean, Mick uh, looked like his dad out there, and it was great to see how aggressive he was and the fact that the world champion was driving in the same way he drives Lewis Hamilton, notwithstanding. Uh, The fact is he got his first career points. Kevin Magnussen gets points. The Alpha Tori, as you and Owen were talking about, they're very um, they're um, they're uh, in danger right now. You know, I think uh, Haas is a team with pos- with the positive momentum they got going on. I think they're very track specific right now, and because of the amount of upgrades they can bring, they might need to maximize their their situation early in the season. Because I'm not sure what's going to happen later in the year. But I know Mick is going to be very, very uh, happy and, and ha- take that positive momentum here through this pre-summer break uh, period. I mean, Kevin Magnussen has brought a stability to this team. Um, I think Q2 is a possibility uh, for sure. Um, they're on the periphery of points if everybody is able to last. Of course, now if cars break down, the Haas seems to be a little better than some of the other um, cars in regards to reliability minus, of course, the Ferrari power unit stuff. But if they can finish, um, I think uh, points, at least some points would be on the offer. And considering um, Alpha Tori is not exactly the most consistent team and they're not uh, doing so great at the moment. That's their battle, really. So kind of mirroring what they're doing or doing a little better than them. Kind of keeps them in the mix. Um, they're on that next tier really of teams. Um, I guess we think about it, we're on they're on the third tier um, list in regards to the constructors. So we'll see what happens with that. But it's a great weekend for them. Uh it didn't go so well for them on the NASCAR side, so at least on the Formula One side it went well.
0: Yeah, very good day from uh, Silverstone for sure. Um, I'm so happy for him finally getting points as well. It's been it well overdue. He's made some mistakes, but you know he's got points now, and hopefully he'll kick on from there because he does he does have some serious talent. We all know who his dad is. so you know there's definitely potential there. Um, uh, and yeah, so they overtook Aston Martin into uh, eighth place there. So Aston Martin back down to ninth in the constructors He's only two points behind Haas though, and. Again, they score points. Uh, Vettel getting in a ninth place. They, you know, He kept his nose clean. Lance stroll just on the edge of points, again, in 11th. Um, but it all depends how the car performs around, around this track going because they have had some reliability issues. As Obviously, we keep saying this is a car breaker. This is a very tough track on the cars. Um, so how do you see them getting on this weekend? Because in the past, tyre wear has proved crucial. It is, we do see quite a few safety cars here. And Aston Martin and normally a team that benefit from that.
2: Yeah, it's obviously, as you say, it's a high deck circuit in Austria. Um, again, luckily, the good thing about that is that um, Canada, unusually uh, cold this year, but uh, is, um, is is a sort of a good allegory for that. Um, the only issue I see is that it's, uh, they're right on the periphery of the points there, uh, and they have been, and they were in, uh, in Britain as well. Um, and honestly, qualifying, absolutely diabolical for uh, for uh, Aston Martin, they really benefited from from how this race was, uh, from how where um, they were in Silverstone, um, and, and and what the race was like. And uh, but uh, I, I'm not seeing. You know, we're we're looking at raw speed here, um, and raw speed is something that you absolutely need when it comes to when it comes to Austria. Um, I think it's always better to be in front and uh, and going backwards through the pack. Uh, you know, maybe sort of metering your 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 way backwards through the pack. than trying to, trying to make your way forward. Um, and I, I kind of don't think Aston Martin can do it. Um, I think they've obviously got quality drivers, but you know, uh, and as much as the cards didn't really fall their way, um, uh, in some ways, um, yeah, no, they've still, they've, they've still not had a sort of a great showing thus far. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we could, we could get rain in Austria, um, which, which could hamper them again. Um, obviously I'm not putting too much into that. Um, but I, th- I think they could find Haas going away from them if Haas continue their current trajectory. So um, I'm a bit unknown with Aston Martin, yeah. Um, but they could do well, but I, I personally doubt it.
0: Yeah, they've got potential for sure, especially in the Hans' Sebastian battle. But I know what you mean. It's it's not particularly likely they'll get points. Um, I mean, with the weather we just mentioned there as well. I've looked at the forecast. It does say there's a chance of rain, but whether it's particularly likely or not, we don't know. But again, going off of Silverstone... You can't predict this because it said it was going to be dry on Saturday, and it absolutely lashed it down. So, so you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, let, let's move on to let's move on to Williams uh, bottom of the pile still, unfortunately. And it's really difficult to see them get anywhere anywhere else other than that. Um, the, the only benefit, the only possible uh, uh, upside to the home Grand Prix was the fact that Latifi got off the bottom of the standings. He's up to twentieth now. Well done. You've passed Holkenberg. Um, but in, in, in all seriousness though he did have a good qualifying session Williams' first Q3 appearances this season and his first Q3 appearance as well and he, he held in the points for a lot of the race but still Phil I, I, that can't really mask what's been a dismal season for Williams but the one bright spark is Alexander Albon if he finishes the race he's usually at the edge of the points and very occasionally he gets in them
3: yeah I mean unfortunately his race was done on a few hundred meters in Uh, yesterday uh, but they and their upgrade package barely got any running so that was a big disappointment for them but the fact that and also mentioned that yesterday too you know we're I'm I'm an equal opportunity offender in regards to people who are not great I mean in regards to Latifi he actually had a great weekend might have been the best weekend he's had in his whole entire Formula One career and when you consider that you know Three of the young junior Williams drivers all had great weekends as well at Silverstone. And there's been rumors with Oscar Piastri. That's what you need. It took the old car, gotten a Q3 stayed up there most of the day. Uh, I think that Ocon safety car was one of the, he was one of the people that paid the worst price in regards to that. He could have possibly gotten points out of that race. Um, he was an eighth for a lot of it. But, uh, You know, I think that's a positive for him. Who knows what the rest of the season holds for him or if he's going to be in this car post, you know, summer break or whatever, but that's a positive sign. It shows there's life. It shows that he's still got some motivation. It shows that he wants it still. Um, Albon's weekend never really got started. Um, It's a track now you're going to that he has plenty of experience at. He's done well at before when he was in the Red Bull main team. Uh, maybe these new, um, uh, you know, bits that they have on the car will help them. Uh, but they are of course at the back of the, the queue again, this year, um, it's going to be hard for them to make up that many points to get to Aston Martin, honestly, um, based on pace, based on their qualifying, um, unless something weird you know, something crazy happens, like what happened with George last year when he started going on a run of Q3s and getting those points and then, of course, getting the second place at uh, Spa. Um, I have a hard time believing that's going to happen again. But Albon has done a solid job. He's been a good leader. The team doesn't seem out of complete sorts. The car is not great, yes, but, you know, there seems to be something of, of, you know, to work with. Now, who's going to lead them? How is this going to go as we get through the rest of the season? That we'll find out. I mean, it'll be very hard for them to make. I think Albon might be able to make Q2. Um, From there, of course, if attrition happens, it'll play in their favor. Um, Otherwise, if it is just a straight-up race where nothing really happens, they'll just be out there um, getting data, unfortunately, and kind of getting lapped which is an unfortunate thing, but it's kind of what Williams has become.
0: Yeah, no, I, I echo everything you say there, Phil. It, it is unfortunate what Williams are these days, but you're right. The, the team has some togetherness. There is some cohesion there. And, you know, despite the car not being the best, they, they do look like a, a team and they are together. So they, they could get their way out of this for sure. But, you know, it's just, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think they're kind of destined to get bottom in the in the standings. But it's a good point you mentioned about Albon as well. I forgot how good he was around this track. He could have won here in 2020 if he, uh, if he didn't have the incident with Hamilton, of course. But um, yeah, so it, it, it could be on a good result today, um, this weekend. My apologies for that. So so yeah, those are all the 10 teams. Those are all the 20 drivers we talked about them all. Before we get into our predictions, I'm just going to give a mention that if you want to support us some more financially, you can, of course, go on to our Patreon, Patreon forward slash F1 Chronicle, or, or you can check out our store as well, where we've got merchandise, nice, including mugs, t-shirts, hoodies all that good stuff, just head over to f one Chronicle forward slash store. So let's go into our predictions. It's top. Let's go for our top three first before we go into the bowl predictions. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say because he's done quite well. I think in 2019, he could have quite easily won had there not been a controversial incident. I'm going to go for the interest of the championship as well. I'm going to go for Charles Leclerc for the win. I'm going to go for Max Staffing behind him. I'm going to go for a, a reinvigorated Carlos Sainz in third. A bit of a boring prediction, but I'm going to go with realism for this one. Um, Owain, oh what's your podium prediction?
2: Um, mine's in a similar vein for the championship because uh, it, God, it's all it solely needs it at this point. Um, you know, <laughs> with with uh, with Red Bull really taking the positives out of uh, a, a a really bad day. Um, so I'm I'm going to go with shock double retirement, uh, meaning that. We have Charles Leclerc on the front uh, on the on the top step of the podium, and then Carlos Sainz and George Russell coming in in third place. So
0: your shock double retirement is the Red Bulls. I take it
2: then. Yes, of course. Yeah, sorry. Mm. Otherwise, they'd be probably be front taken <laughs> taking first and second. Unfortunately, looks
0: like it on pace definitely. So uh, yeah, Phil, what's your top three prediction?
3: I figure Verstappen goes back to his usual ways and gets the victory. Uh, I will go with uh, Charlotte Leclerc in second. And uh, for third place, I will say Lewis Hamilton again, keeping the positive momentum he's had in recent races. Um, so we'll get one of each on the uh, podium. That'll be my picks.
0: Enough, fair enough. So bold prediction time. I, I would have loved to give my bold prediction to Lando Norris for a podium because he does quite well here. But I'm not I'm not gonna manage my bets. I'm not I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna stay consistent with my top threes. I'm going for a lot. I'm not gonna get it. I'm gonna go for a lot. Um bold prediction. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's not actually it's not that bold, but I'll say that we'll get the Hassas both in the top six in qualifying at least, and I'm gonna go for I'm going to go for K. Mag getting top six in the race. I think they'll do quite well here. They do quite well here overall in the past. When you've already given us our, uh, your bold prediction with the with the Red Bulls retiring. You can have another one if you want, though. Feel free.
2: I'm I'm uh, I'm always. Uh, what, what am I a quitter? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton's first win of the first win of uh, the season. In a Mercedes 1 2. So you've gone, you've gone completely against your front. He's edging his
0: bets. He's edging his bets. <laughs> <laughs> Is he really have...
2: hedging his bets when, hedging my bets when the both of them are equally unlikely to happen?
0: <laughs> Technically, yes. But anyway, we'll let that slide. <laughs> Phil, what's your, what's your poll prediction?
3: Uh, Vettel gets into Q3 and gets a top six finish in the race. With like the Aston Martin.
0: I like that. I like that. That'd be that'd be cool to see for sure. You never know, there could there could be a big big pile, there could be a big uh accident for sure around this track. It's it's I think what was it, 2020, where we had eleven finishes out of twenty, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, you we know, came can,
2: back and you know, everyone everyone forgot how to build a racing car, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: We waited uh, nine months, whatever it was, for an F1 race, and boy, did we get a cracker when it came back. Hopefully, we'll see a repeat of that kind of craziness <laughs> this weekend. But we'll, I,
2: I want but, I want top 10 races every single week now. Like, if Silverstone has proved exactly what race, Formula 1 racing can be.
0: <laughs> absolutely. You know what? Yeah. I mean, it, it has proved it. I think the track definitely helped, and these cars definitely helped too. But I think there should be some really close racing this week, and the DRS is going to be strong around here. So there's going to be a lot of passing, a lot of close... A lot of close racing. I'm hoping. In theory, that's what it should be. But I'll see what happens with that. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm just going to give uh, you guys both a chance to uh, plug your outlets. So, uh, Phil, I've mentioned that you're part of the Gripship Podcast. What is that and where can people find it?
3: Yeah, the Gripship Podcast is... Uh, we are on Podbean, of course. That's where we distribute our our show. And I forgot to go and promote us yesterday. So, I'll go and give uh, the handles that we have. We're... We're at Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. Uh, my co host, JP Huffine, is JP Huffine on Twitter. Mine is Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. And basically, anywhere you can find a uh, podcast, you can find the Grip Strip Podcast. We talk about all things motorsports, four wheels, two wheels. If it goes fast, we talk about it on the Grip Strip Podcast generally. We have a YouTube page. We upload our shows on there as well, uh, Grip Strip Podcast page on YouTube. And we're also on um, my website, philipgmatthew.com, which was blog site. We also post all the shows on there. So um, give us a like, listen, download the whole bit. Um, Let us know what you want to hear. See if there's anybody we can kind of ask around and maybe sneak an interview here and there. But um, we'll be busy tomorrow doing our show talking about the first-time winners um, in the world of motorsports, which there were a few. So we'll talk about that on episode 122 of the Rift Trip Podcast this week. So thanks, George and Owain and um, Aaron, of course, had to leave. But, you know, thanks to everybody and Aiden as well for the great work y'all do and for inviting me on.
0: Oh, always welcome, Phil. Yeah, definitely go check out the Grip Strip podcast. I re- I've been on the GSB and it's a hell of a show. You know, it's a great, a great show that covers a lot of different bases. And happy 4th of July as well to you, Phil. I've not said that yet. So thank you for coming on <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a special day for you guys. So, uh, Owain, uh how about you? What, what do you want to promote? We uh, do some meme articles for Sportlight, but they might be migrating to another website soon, potentially. I'll let you know more about that another time.
2: Yeah, so for I uh, based. Oh, I've got to change my spiel now. Um, <laughs> if you I, honestly, I've, I, I do apologise though because I have not done one in such a long time because um, I've always been snowed under with work. It's a big, it's, it's, actually, it's, go, it's fine. Join the be, club. Believe it we. or not, being a, doing a PhD, quite a lot of work. <laughs> um, <laughs> so unfortunately, I have lost a lot of my evenings. Um, but if you'd like to see my ramblings on Twitter, I'm at Awine Medford. Uh or uh, one word, basically. I, I I retweeted one thing today, uh, specifically talking about um, the Halo, which Anthony Davison made some excellent points uh, on Sky F1 about, uh, and the fact that the row, row hoop should not have uh, disintegrated. But yeah, if you'd like to sort of, I guess, relive the 2020 season in a in a light in, in a sorry 2021 season in a in a lighter look, um, we keep it as a, kept it as kept it as sort of a sanctuary, and that's available on sportlightpro.com currently subject to change i assume
0: those will still be on there those aren't moving but uh yeah so we'll, we'll, we'll announce more of that another, another time but yes that th- those meme reviews definitely shed a a lighter look on uh on what was at times a very toxic season online of uh, the f1 community but that that definitely showed what the internet can be used for and should be used for good memes so yes, yeah, so <laughs> so uh, be sure to give us a like on Facebook. Uh, we are F1 Chronicle and Twitter as well. We are at F1 Chronicle. Search up on. Um on tiktok as well i do a weekly 60 second video going over a topic in formula one and obviously i mentioned that i went to the british Grand Prix this weekend so if you get the chance do submit a question on there you can ask me anything about my experience there because i had a great time and going for the going as press for the first time as well was, uh, was was something i'll never forget so yeah if you want to know anything about that because i had a lot of questions i didn't know what to expect just just hit, hit us up with a question on there i really would appreciate that um, and we're also available, of course, on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Verbal, Omni Studio, Pocket Cast, and the F1 Chronicle website itself, f1chronicle.com. Uh, I want to thank my panellists for coming on this week. Uh, very much appreciated, as always. Thanks a lot, always.
2: Absolutely, never a problem. You
0: and yes, we'll be back at the weekend on Saturday, about an hour after qualifying finishes to analyse qualifying for the Austrian Grand Prix. Thank you very much for joining, and we'll see you for the next one. Bye-bye.